0: NapaBroadcasting.com, napa valley radio for the way we live now
1: thanks for joining us once again here at napa broadcasting yesterday with one of my other hats on i was talking to a cultural historian in los angeles about the dramatic changes that have taken place there with respect to traffic 15 years we were looking at And the increases in traffic in LA in ways that have literally changed entire neighborhoods. The fact that neighborhoods have grown up because people don't want to commute to areas outside their own neighborhoods. It's had a profound influence, far different than the traffic we talk about here. And yet, people talk about it, people worry about it, and we're told over and over that it's one of the community's largest concerns. We're going to talk about that and a new study that is being done with respect to traffic in the Napa Valley, as I'm joined by Napa County Supervisor Alfredo Pedroza. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's great to have you here. Can we stipulate that our traffic, no matter how bad it is, doesn't compare to L.A. traffic? Traffic is all relative to the perspective. You are absolutely <laughs> it, it, right. <laughs> it, it is definitely relative. There have been, and we'll talk about you know the details of this study in a minute, but there have been a lot of traffic studies here over the years.
0: You are absolutely right. And, and the one thing I will say about what we're about to talk about is it, it's more than a study. It, it's a study with a commitment to solutions. But, Jeff, as you know, is you can study things to death. Yeah. right? And Analysis be, yeah, paralysis. Exactly. And paralyze yourself by that. The purpose of what we're trying to do is just to get the specifics. And that's what we're trying to study and get the data. And if you get that that macro level and that micro level, it allows you to be surgical with the solutions you're going to provide. And that's what we're trying to do with this study. A lot of these studies in the past have
1: been kind of fantastical. They've been, you know, let's do a study and then we'll wave our magic wand and have a solution. This seems to be not quite that.
0: I'm not in that business, right, of platitudes and aspirational things. This is more action-oriented and part of it is we're bringing the right resources and the right partners to the table to look at real objectives and solutions and again, the idea is when you don't get into the specifics, it doesn't really provide you the right data you need to take action and provide the incentives. And what we're doing here is, look, anyone that's driving into town at 7 a.m., you see the traffic. We know mm-hmm. the fact. We import 40% of our workforce. That's data. That's a study right. we did. But if you just stop there, that you input 40%, you really can't provide a solution Because it's not specific enough. And what we're trying to do here is understand that 40% a little deeper. Understand where they work, where they live, what time they get to work, and what time they leave. That level of detail is what's going to allow us, in my opinion... To prescribe the right incentives and solutions,
1: but the study, as I understand it, and this may be completely wrong, is limited to people that are commuting in and working in the
0: wine and wine and hospitality Correct. industry. Correct. Yeah, and, and it's a it's a pilot program, right? And what we identified is, can we do something different where we leverage the private public partnership aspect of this? And in my role as MTC vice chair, uh, we made a commitment of a million dollars to the Napa Valley. Uh, for the reason that we had interested industries willing to be part of the solution, which is VizNapa Valley and the Napa Valley Vintners, each organization contributed $125,000. And look, I appreciate that. They could sit on the sidelines, but they chose to actually participate in trying to address a traffic congestion problem we face. But here's, in, in a high level view, what we're trying to do is look at the people that commute into our valley. And it's not just from American Canyon or South Napa or Fairfield, Once we work with employers, we're gonna work with them to understand where their employees live. And what we feel is you need a lot of input to create a critical mass. We don't have one large employer, but we have multiple large employers. What we haven't been able to do is, say you and I are two businesses and we employ 100 people. Well, me individually, I can try to do something to incentivize carpooling and public transit, but it's only scalable to my people, my employees. Now, if we work together, we just create a bigger pot, right? A bigger critical mass, potentially. And that's what we're gonna do with this pilot program is work with multiple employers in the Valley in the wine industry and hospitality. And when you aggregate that data, you we are hopeful that we'll create a critical mass where you can incentivize employees to change your, their behavior because right now, it's a known fact, everyone is getting in their individual car mm-hmm. and going to work. And that is a critical objective of this pilot program is can we shift And
1: complaining about traffic while they get into their individual cars and go to work.
0: Yes, I see those tweets and Facebook posts at 7 a.m. about the traffic. And guess what? We're all contributing to it. But what we did is Loom, who's the data analytics company, what they did is in Seattle, they worked with Amazon, and Amazon had the same problem that we all have, is everyone was going to work at 8 a.m., 7 a.m., driving in their individual cars. So some executives started looking at the parking lot. They said, everyone is coming in their individual cars. we got to do something about this. So they worked with Loom, and through the data collection analysis, they realized that they had 100 employees living in a town 10 minutes away, and another 100 employees living in a town that were 30 minutes away. So what they did is, said, you know what? We're going to provide an incentive for them to take private transit. So they went in, got a bus, Amazon bought it, and said, look, we'll pay you the moment you take public transit. Now they incentivize a change of behavior. I think what we're going to do here is I do believe once we aggregate employees, say from the Meritage, from Silverado, from Clodoval, and we've already outreached to some of these employers, and once you combine all this data, I do think you'll have a critical mass that with the right incentive mix, you'll get them to take whether it's private transit, public transit, micro transit, or even carpooling.
1: Hasn't Visit Napa Valley done some studies on this and concluded that the largest portion of people that are working in both the wineries
0: and in hospitality are people that live here already? Absolutely, yeah. And if you see the flow of traffic from American Canyon up north, it's pretty predictable every day. But again, right now, we, ha- we don't have the specifics of how many employees from the Meritage Resort For example, live in American Canyon that go to work at seven and leave at 5 p.m. We don't have that data for Silverado either, or for the Archer, but if you aggregate that data, then you might have a critical mass where we can work together to say, hey, look, let's incentivize you to change this. That's the level of detail that this pilot program is after.
1: What kind of incentives have been used in the
0: past to to really make a difference in these things? So that's a great question. And part of what we're looking at is, we haven't wanted to over-prescribe because this is where pilot programs kind of are set up to fail, is you need to get the data to understand. One of the questions we're gonna be asking in this data collection to the employees is, what could we incentivize you with? Mm-hmm. So instead of you and I guessing, uh, we're asking those that we're trying to change the behavior to tell mm-hmm. us what they think. Some in other communities have said, well, I wanna be compensated the moment I take public transit or- private transit. That's a whole different discussion that we would need to have with the wine industry and hospitality. It's saying, look, I want to be incentivized on a per day basis if I take public transit. So part of the million dollars that we have in this pilot program is to look at what potential incentives we may be using. It might be a, you know, a, a, a shopping spree. There's so many different things, but again, what we're trying to do is have the incentive mix that matches with the preference of the employees in our community.
1: Right now, the pilot program just takes into account, as we've talked about, the hospitality industry, the wine industry. What about bringing in other, uh, there are other yeah.
0: large employers here, particularly in the healthcare industry yeah. and a no, few others? That's a great question, and, and that's why, um, when you share that and you look at our biggest employers, the majority of them are not in the wine and hospitality right. industry, but the fact that they still stepped up to contribute, I think, even means more, knowing that fact. But what the reason we're focusing on wine and hospitality is, I think they have an ability to adapt to the change and change behavior a little quicker because they're going to have buy-in from senior leadership at that company. It's, it's very easy or it's easier if we have John Evans at Silver, Silverado Resort going to his HR folks and operations folks and say, we want to participate versus going to more an institutional organization like healthcare where there's different channels to try to embrace change. So that's part of it. But what we've said is, look, if this is successful, it's scalable, right? So that what we envision, once we have this uh, pilot program on the ground running, it's reaching out to healthcare, It's reaching out to the schools' districts. It's reaching out to government to participate, because we all have to own the solution, and we all have to be accountable. Part of what's different here, again, is working with industries that can embrace change a little quicker and are a little bit more flexible.
1: The other part of this is whether or not all of this effort, time, money— makes a difference in the long run, yeah. even after all this data is aggregated and all these incentives are put in place. We know, for example, that when there's efforts to build new roads that they may relieve traffic for a short period of yeah. time, but two years later the traffic is just yeah. as bad as it was before that new road opened. Yeah. Is there any reason to think that that all of this effort will really result in any long-term solutions?
0: You know what, it, it, I think about the great Michael Jordan, right? If you never take a shot, you're never going to fail. Um, and, and I think there's an element of risk in what we're doing here, mm-hmm. right? But I, I think part of the comfort that we have is we've brought in regional partners, experts in this field from MTC, you know, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. These are folks that live, eat, and breathe traffic and transportation. And we relied on their expertise to provide the right pilot program, the right programming to make short-term change, but also sustainable change. So that's a little bit of what happened behind the scenes leading up to this effort. Now, the fact is, we're not building new capacity because new capacity is short-lived. Yeah, it's short-lived. What we're trying to do is change behavior, and that is the hardest thing to do in human beings. But it's also, if you are successful, it is sustainable. right? But that's part of why I think we're being very thoughtful of how we're trying to do this. We are after creating meaningful change, but the fact is the most convenient way to get from point A to point B is our individual cars, Jeff. And in this environment, I think we have to change that. And there's a lot of benefits to this, right? So when you talk about climate change and climate protection plans that we're working on, the biggest greenhouse emission contributors is you and I and our individual cars. So imagine if you could actually eliminate trips not only is it a quality of life benefit, right, there's a social benefit to people not having to stand in, you know, stay in traffic. There's also a climate benefit. And I think that's what makes this pilot program so attractive is there's so many direct benefits that we're after, but a lot of indirect benefits as well.
1: I mean, I guess the question with the incentives is whether or not not only the financial or the whatever the incentives yeah. might be are, are effective enough, but whether the time spent in traffic is less. Yeah. In other words, if it takes 12 minutes on a bad day to get you know half a mile through American Canyon, if it only takes eight minutes, is that enough to incentivize
0: somebody? Yeah. And, and that's part of what we're going to learn through this too, right? By asking the question right. of that, you're going to learn the, 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 what people value and what the incentive mix might be. But also what other communities have done, I should have mentioned earlier, is they look at the savings for that person. Right. So right now, every commuter, you know, every worker that's getting on the road, you know, they're they having to buy gas and, and, and you quantify that. Right? right. I go to the city, you know, basically four times, six times a month. Now I was spending three hundred dollars on gas Then I got an electric car and I saw the savings. Right. So we're going to try to package that, too, as well, to make sure we're informing our workforce, our employees, the benefits of these of, of trying to change that behavior
1: how is this going to be conducted when does it start what is the time frame yeah
0: so uh look let me back up a little we started this two years ago right and the the idea the genesis behind this is you know bringing the two leading industries together to have a conversation around traffic so we we convened three leaders from the hospitality industry three leaders from the wine industry we started talking uh then the fires happened so we took a little detour Uh, And then it came back. Uh, We went through the process of of asking for financial support from both organizations. And where we're at today is we're actually going to be convening a workshop with all the general managers of the uh, participating um, organizations next month. And the idea behind that is to work with the general managers to kind of give them an overview of the program, what the expectations are, but also how can they help incentivize and encourage their employees to participate in the program, right? A lot of what we're talking about is how are we going to track our employees? Is it going to be developing an app? Right? So we need to make sure HR is okay. Uh, for those that say don't speak English, we need to make sure it's compatible with the language preference they have. Right, So all that type of uh, specifics we're gonna understand. So we'll have those meetings in August and we'll start collecting data within a few weeks after that. Within two months we should, ha- we should know what the input's gonna be. And at that point we can start calibrating the model of Okay, what's the, what's the information we're collecting telling us? What type of incentive can we start offering? What type of incentive can we start testing, potentially? Uh, this is overall two-year pilot program, but by the end of the year, you're already gonna see some of the solutions that we're looking at be implemented.
1: Are there companies now that are doing this on their own that are incentivizing employees to do carpooling, for yeah. example, or public transportation? And how successful are those yeah. efforts?
0: Do so we know? Not, not in the valley. So I, sh- I, sh- I take that back. We have some, have had some employers that have tried it in a small scale, right? So uh, we heard Dave Duncan from uh, uh, Silver Oak say, "Well, if people carpool,ed I would, you know, it would be a free lunch or or an hour time off." Bruce Cakebread was doing the same thing again, but when you're limited to 50 employees, you, you can't scale right. it. Now the bigger organizations like Kaiser in San Francisco has a program to incentivize uh, car and van pulling. It is successful. Amazon obviously mm-hmm. did in Seattle. Um, what you realize though, this is not for everyone, right? Those It's for those employees that have a predictable work shift. schedule. Right. Exactly. This can't be for our ag workers because they're going from one vineyard to another and so forth. Right. So we're after those that have a predictable schedule, and that's where you t- tend to find success. And to what extent
1: from the data that, that's been done and gathered so far— if this was successful across the board,
0: how much might it reduce traffic? What do the people at LUM tell you? Yeah, um, that we haven't been able to quantify it locally. And the reason for this, this is the first time that we're doing a pilot program like this, using this technology in a rural community, believe it or not. Uh, so the reason they're willing to do it is because we have somewhat of a closed-loop Transportation system, right? right? Highway twenty nine, Silverado Trail, in, one hand yeah, out. <laughs> and a lot of employers along those corridors, so it's attractive for that purpose. But this is where we're being a little bit cutting edge: is for the first time, Loom is coming to a rural community of a hundred forty thousand people and trying something that typically is geared for huge urban, dense centers. Uh, we're just cutting edge and innovative in that on that forefront. So that means you don't have a lot of the potential outcomes or measurements, but the benchmark is again typically. What that traffic experts will tell you, if you are successful in removing 2% or 100 trips, it's meaningful change. Mm-hmm. Which means you'll see the input. You'll see the benefit.
1: Talk a little bit about uh, outside Napa for the moment. Being on uh, vice chair of MTC, and and this conversation is taking place in communities everywhere. Yeah. Certainly here in the Bay Area. Yeah. I mean the traffic uh, in San Francisco itself is
0: beyond, beyond, beyond. It, it, it's it's relative, uh, and that's the one thing uh, MTC has taught me, is you know w- when you stay in your town. You look at the solutions and problems through that local lens. And uh, being drawn to a regional body, the Nineberry counties, it gives me a different perspective, mm-hmm. a different color on the problems, but also solutions. Um, and it's also given me different experiences and different resources to try to bring back home specific to our community. But uh, we need to invest in regional networks, right? We're users of the regional networks, BART, Ferry Service, Light Rail, uh, express lanes, all that is part of our regional system. And for me, y- you want to think regionally but act locally? It's a little bit of both, right? You also have to think regionally and act regionally um, because it does us no good if we solve the traffic problem in the valley and as soon as you leave our 26 miles, you hit gridlock. It doesn't do you uh, right or good. There's traffic coming in here from everywhere. Exactly. You, you're
1: heading, and, and you probably have, if you're heading out towards Sacramento at 5 in the morning, the traffic coming yeah. this way yeah. is...
0: And, and, and that's why, you know, being you know, an MTC, we have a responsibility for the region and making these investments in the region. And so far we've done a good job, right? Uh, folks have a different opinion about the bridge toll increases RM three, but it was a very defined expenditure plan, four point five billion dollars programmed to address those critical infrastructure projects that are costing uh, uh, so much from a social perspective, but an economical perspective. When you have freight sitting in traffic no good for anyone, right? And then just the, from the climate concern as well, S- State Route 37, we all, whether folks believe in climate change or not, I invite you to go out there in <laughs> exactly. December and see what happens when the road floods. Um, so, so we have a responsibility to do so, and again, being on, on the c- uh, commission has really challenged me to. To get uncomfortable with some of these regional discussions and and really work with our representatives that want to invest in Bart and I'm one that says we should invest in Bart, but we should also invest in small rural communities at the same time, and that's where you do a lot of the the horse trading, mutual support for everyone.
1: It also you know, we as we started out this conversation talking about traffic being relative, you sit there at MTC and hear about some of this traffic congestion. Both in, in Southern California, other parts of the Bay Area, and it makes yeah. our 12 minutes in American Canyon look a lot easier. Yeah,
0: and it's linked to other challenges, right? And some of the things we've heard when we were doing this pilot program is, well, why don't you just reprogram that money for housing? And there's no question that housing and transportation are directly related, but we need to do both. Right. And you just can't do housing because you still are going to have the traffic problems. So it's how do you advance both priorities at the same time? SB 50. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And some of my colleagues have concerns about that. But again, we need to make sure we're providing opportunities for people to live in their community. It's a choice, but also addressing addressing the transportation problem and how we design communities is going to change. Right. We talk about the reason where there's no new capacity funding. Because the way you and I move is going to change dramatically in 10 years. Autonomous vehicles, whether people like it or not, is the way They're of the coming. future. Absolutely. Right. And that's going to change city planning. That's going to change the need for our garage. That's going to change the need for parking garages. That's exciting. And, and that's part of what kind of gets me going of we have a huge opportunity to change the way people move.
1: Alfredo Pedrosa, thank you so much for coming in.
0: Thank you for the opportunity, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com.